You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. Welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markstone. I'm the host of the show. No matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, thank you for making the show part of your day. I hope you enjoy it. This is episode 91. If you've been with us before, uh, welcome back. If this is your first time, you are in luck. Um, This week's guest is a good one. And I don't mean that in that the the other guests aren't good, uh, but this is a truly special week. This week, Tom Deacon, uh, the comedian, uh, the host uh, of, of online series and YouTube series and um, TV specials and, and everything else, and, and the Match Day host uh, at St. Mary's, uh, joins us to discuss the match, to talk about um, his role, to talk about being a fan, to talk about how that overlaps. And, and it really, really is uh, a wonderful time. It was, it was a pleasure to be able to talk to Tom. Uh, if you don't follow him on social media already, you can do so um, on Instagram at Tom Deacon Comedy uh, or on Twitter at Tom H. Deacon. And the links to those are in the show notes. But uh, all I can say is Tom uh, was nice enough to make some time to make sure that we were able to talk uh, between uh, the, the match ending and him heading back uh, home. Uh, he was waiting for his bus replacement. Um, so I apologize to him for that, even though I really had nothing to do with it. And I couldn't control it. But we talk about everything from, from being a fan, like I said, uh, a little bit about his comedy uh, to being to being the match day host and, and everything that uh, that entails. And we talk about the match as well, uh, because that's really what we were what we were here about. Um, Tom also hosts a podcast. It's called Ice the Kicker. We talk a little bit about that. That's an American football podcast, uh, but he is the host of that. So the link to that is also in the show notes if you are interested. But um, with all that said, let's not delay this anymore. Let's get straight to it. Uh, if you need some comic relief, uh, hopefully uh, we brought it, even though he wasn't here to do stand-up. He was just here to talk football, uh, and I really appreciated the time he spent with me. And I really enjoyed it, and I hope you do too. So here's my conversation with Tom. We'll talk to you later. We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Tom Deacon. Uh, you may recognize him from uh, Twitter or the kit launch or a number of other things that he does. He's on Instagram at Tom Deacon Comedy, and he's on Twitter at Tom H. Deacon. Uh, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show, Tom. Thank you so much for joining me after a busy day that's not quite done for you yet. <laughs> no, it's definitely not done yet, but uh, yeah, an absolute pleasure to be on the podcast. I've, uh, I've listened to a lot of the episodes and, and heard other Saints fans, and uh, it's a privilege to, to talk about my uh, second love. I have to say second love because my girlfriend might. You know, she'll probably listen. And so, uh, second love and talk about the football club. Well, I can say that my wife won't listen, and uh, and, I, and I love talking to people about this. Um, my kids are probably listening to me record it, but that doesn't matter. Um, that's okay. So, uh, are they big fans as well, Matt? 
you know, my son likes Arsenal and my daughter every week asks what color the team is wearing and then usually says the other team's jersey is nicer. And then we move on with our days. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a, I, I think once you become a football fan, it, you wish you could just remember a simplistic time. Uh, and just, you get too inundated with all the facts and stats and everything. But yeah, uh, today Chelsea were, were bound to win because they had the worst hit. Um, so they were bound to win. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think a lot of people are going to be familiar with you um, from, a num- from a number of things that you've done. Uh, I know you got a new podcast, uh, you're still doing comedy, you're hosting uh, the series again. And so there, there's a bunch of stuff to talk about. But um, we usually start the show with uh, just kind of how you got acquainted with the team. And, and if we can start there, if that's okay with you, uh, I'd like to. By, by all means, yeah. Um, for me, it was, it was going to my first match uh, back in 1994. Uh, United had come to the Dell, the beautiful Dell, finished 2 all, And um, yeah, I went with my dad and my dad. Uh, I had to deal with questions that were asking that, that I was asking, like uh, why are they calling the referee a waiter? Uh, I, I enjoyed that, um, and I just seen Matisse Lagarde, um, and I remember, from, you know, yeah, years till now, just just being in love with the club, and it's like a proper relationship to have your ups and downs, and but you still you still crack on and keep going. So um, so yeah, '94, um, been to a lot of games. Uh, we've all had the heartbreak of Saints fans get relegated, then getting the promotion, and it's it's been a roller coaster. That's, that's that's fair to say. Yeah. So I mean, so it sounds like your dad was a fan as well. Um, what about? So no, did you grow, did you grow no, up in the area, or, or no. how did that work? Oh well, well I'm from Southampton, um, but so I grew up, and a lot of my mates were Saints fans. My dad's actually a rugby fan, so I had no interest of of being there, but knew that I wanted to get in, involved in the football and, and go and watch Saints play because all my mates at school did. So he, he begrudgingly took me along. And, uh, but, you know, you can't get, and I've taken him several times after. And uh, he's, sort of, he's, he's I'd say if he was going to choose any team, he's definitely a Saints fan, but now he's, he's more a rugby guy. But um, so that's why he got indoctrinated into the, the football world through my mates at school. And um, yeah, they've got a lot to answer for at the time. Yeah, yeah. Just tell them thank you a million times over. Um, uh, you know, your story with, with your dad, I, I, I disliked, uh, football or soccer here as we, as we call it, but I disliked it so much growing up. Um, it was like, it was everything that, that a baseball coach, which was my dad hated because it, all it did was pull kids away from, from baseball. And then there's been this huge shift where I live from kids going to play football or soccer, um, and, and fewer and fewer playing baseball, but I played baseball. And so when I, my son got to the age where he decided I, I promised myself I wouldn't push him to, to play something and he wanted to play football. And, um, so that got me into it, but I'm also very kind of obsessive. And so it just kind of, let's go. And, and here we are, you know, several years later, he's now rock climbing and I'm sitting here doing this. So it's, uh, it, it's been, it's been a whirlwind and it's been, a, uh, definitely a roller coaster as you mentioned, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for the world. Obviously you try and, I mean, I've recently, um, uh, last season, took my girlfriend along to her first ever football match. Her dad has a, a lot to answer for. Um, but, uh, but I took her to the Brighton game last season and finished 1-0. Uh, Steven scored sort of in the like 86th minute or something. And um, she was, yeah, I mean, she really enjoyed it. She was like, oh, it's really good to go. Um, but why are the away fans a lot louder than home fans? And uh, I didn't really have an answer for that uh, last season. Uh, but um, yeah, it's it, just introducing people to, to Saints and, and the kind of the underdog mentality that we, that we have. And I think people do get 
caught up in it and get excited about it. And at the moment, we're we're definitely the underdogs. And when it turns, when it gets better, it's, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely will. Um, but you got a lot of other things going on in your life. Um, I think the, the too many the, things, too many things, Matt. Too many things. I, it, that, that, that's that's one thing. thing. How do you keep thing. it all straight? Like, how did you how do you fit this in? How do you fit talking to me in in, in your schedule? Uh, you can probably hear a seagull in the background. Well, I'm probably um, uh, waiting to go back to Southampton, where I've where I've moved my girlfriend, and um, that's where I present uh, my esports show. Uh, I say it's mine. I've been very kindly allowed to host it, and um, it, that's about to start again. We've got F1 going on, uh, which is amazing. Uh, if, if anyone's not, uh, I say with it with esports, it's kind of you know computer games that you play at the highest level, and there's prize money at stake. And you get signed by teams, and we have FIFA 19 as, as one of the games. So, so it's um, very exciting. But that's kind of a block of eight weeks, and then a little bit of Formula One. So. And being a comic as well, just doing the Winchester Comedy Festival. And, um, and so you just factor that time in. And being a comic for the last 10 years, you miss people's birthdays, you miss special occasions. I can't go to certain matches because I might be in Birmingham that weekend. And so you make little sacrifices, um, but you enjoy the good times that you do get to relax. Or today when I was working at the Saints, uh, I, I get to watch my team play. So everything's a blessing. And, and when you ask me, you know, would you like to come on the podcast? I was like, well, of course I would. So I think that we make time for, for other people as much as we can, and then we reap the, the rewards of it, the benefits, should I say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but if I can ask you, when, when did you decide you wanted to be a comic, or when did that become a, a thing that was a, like an attainable kind of um, profession? Because in, And did you know kind of all of the – I'm a big fan of WTF with Mark Maron. I don't know if you listened to that, but – um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I did not understand or know anything about kind of uh, what comics go through. And so, uh, all of my insight comes from that show. So if I'm, if I'm way off on anything, feel free to tell me, but like, you know, did you, did you have an idea of what it was going to entail and, and how have you kind of dealt with that as you've moved through your career? Uh, um, <laughs> several parts of that question, which, uh, quite daunted about answering. Uh, I knew that when I was down here in Southampton, I went to college here, then I went to university. I always said I, I wanted to do stand up comedy. And I think all I wanted to do was, was not work in an office. That's not to knock anybody that works in an office. But you, if you do work in an office, you know what I mean. Like, I don't care what Sanchez is having for lunch. Uh, you know, and I don't, people get very petty about who's milk and who's drunk it in the fridge. Um, so I kind of wanted to work as a stand-up comic. I, the way that they are loved on a night out, people really enjoy They just want to have a drink with them, hang out, because they think they're funny all the time. But I, I got into it and I thought, ah, oh, this, this I'd love to try it. And then it was realizing that I could make a career of this. But obviously, all I was ever told, um, I think from WTF, uh, that, that, you know, it, it can be lonely. It's a very lonely job. Uh, if you get on with the other comics that you work with at a weekend or a gig somewhere, then, then that's brilliant. But if not, you're kind of going to a different city, doing your gig, and then it ends, and you're a bit like, oh, did that gig even happen? So you don't get to work with a team. So 10 years I've been going and I still haven't been found out. Uh, so, uh, so I keep getting employed for gigs and, and because I was doing it, it led to other things. But um, yeah, it's quite hard to answer that question. I, I, I knew that it wasn't going to be easy, but I've managed to, like we all do, um, manage to get by at times when it's been tough to get gigs and, and then, then it becomes quite fruitful and, and then I've got lots of different things going on at the moment. Um, and like you said, you know, trying to factor that in and get enough 
uh, time to do other stuff. Um, yeah, I, I feel I'm a lot happier now uh, with just where my career is at. All right, all right. Um, I have watched some, back some of your comedy stuff on, on YouTube, and uh, just to kind of get an idea, and it, it's you, you made me laugh a lot. Um, but but I wondered, I mean, do people come up to you and and say, you know, I, I got a joke for you, like either you should use it or I just want you to know that I'm funny too. Does that happen a lot? Uh, I, yes, is the simple answer. Yes, it does happen a lot. I mean, I had long hair. If anyone goes listen to the YouTube clips, just, I'm on with um, uh, Davies, um, Greg Davies, and and Roisin Connerty, who are doing amazing TV shows at the moment. Uh, and I had very very long hair and a baseball cap. So people still come up to me, even that was like maybe six years ago. They sort of say, "Is that you? Oh my God, you, you don't have long hair anymore." And, yeah, and and I look quite different. And then I did Radio One, and people never saw my face. So, uh, but if one of they came up to tell me jokes, I, I kind of I like people's stories. So I sort of I prefer not gags, but I, if they find stories, then I always listen and then and enjoy that. And then I, I can be nice to take some of those ideas or stories and work with them. But uh, yeah, uh, if you are going to come up and say a joke to me, um, don't expect me to laugh immediately. Um, but that, that, we're, we're kind of broken comedians. We've, we've seen too much comedy. Um, so uh, please don't come up and be offended. I'll just, I, I'd rather chat about anything other than, than comedy if you're going to come over and talk to me. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, and I'll refrain from uh, telling you any of the jokes that my kids laugh at because they just laugh at me because I'm an idiot, not because I'm funny. Um, Exactly. It's, it's the delivery. It's how you tell them. But, but no, I've had an amazing career and, and I've been very fortunate to, to continue doing it and then other stuff's on the rise. And, but the best thing uh, is obviously being able to do the, the match day presenting at the, at the Saints. And that's come through me uh, working for the Saints Foundation, the charity. I was, I was living back here for three years and, uh, and I wanted to get involved in the community and being a bit about the Saints Foundation existed. So I uh, hosted a couple of the dinners and, and, and now I'm hosting the match day and in this tunnel. And someone just actually sent me a video of me in the players' tunnel today. Um, and uh, I won't say what they say in the, in the Instagram uh, message they sent me, but they, they were a bit like, how on earth and why there? And uh, I do have to pinch myself sometimes, like, you know, all the players around and then through meeting Charlie Austin, he's like, hey, he's doing some of your work. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's good, man. No, have a good day today. And it, it, but Yes, yeah, so I, I do have to pinch myself. It's very cool. There's like a 12-year-old me, like inside, just screaming and trying, and I have to force myself not to ask for a selfie or, or an autograph. And that, and I'm, I'm 32. Like I need to chill out, but but I do, I do love that. So I, I don't know how it's come about, but uh, but I'm loving it. I'm 33, and the same thing. So don't worry. If I ever, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine being in the tunnel <laughs> with those guys because I'd, I'd be an, I'd, I'd be an idiot. I wouldn't be able to do anything. I'd just stand there. Um, I, I, yeah. I'd become the world's biggest mascot. But, but I uh, want to keep the job, so I have to be professional. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you were doing that today, correct? You were you were down there uh, doing the match day presenting yeah. for for the for the team today, and you're coming straight from that to, to talk. I mean, I should mention uh, we're recording kind of like, like less than an hour after after the final whistle. Um, but I mean, what's it like for you on a, on a match day when you're when you're doing that? Like, what does your your day look like, and and kind of what are your responsibilities kind of leading up to kick uh, kickoff? I guess. Okay, well, um, for anyone who's been into the matches who's listening uh, right now knows that, uh, that Kenzie Benali used to do it. He used to be the match day presenter. Um, so we're at the touchline and we chat to the camera and then that gets relayed to the big, big screens at either end of the, the stadium. Uh, and um, so I'll get there a couple of hours before. Uh, because it was on TV, we had to check that the pyrotechnic things were working. There's big flames that happen now as the players 
come onto the pitch. Um, we make sure that we know that the mascots, the names, all the stats and, and things like that. And, um, and then block it out. One of the things that we're finding quite difficult at the moment is to make two microphones. I know, imagine, in 2018, trying to make two microphones work. So me and uh, this guy called Steve, who took over from Kenzie, uh, have passed the mic between each other. Um, and uh, we do not feel Premier League when we have to do that. And there were mic problems. Um, and, I mean, today, I, I, I actually told Matt my first joke. Uh, and I won't really necessarily give him permission, but I thought, I, I feel like I'm a bit stilted just delivering these links. I'm a Saints fan, and I want to talk about the match a bit. Um, so that there was a charity donation called Kit for Africa. So if you have an old jersey, hand it into these bins, and, and um, it will go to an, an amazing cause. And I, my co-presenter and I said, Steve, I've actually got an old shirt myself, uh, which I don't mind giving away because uh, it's signed by Harry Redknapp, so I'd rather see that in the bin. Um, <laughs> and I got away with it because some people around me chuckled, and I thought, well, that's, that's the real, that's me, from Deacon, you know, being a thing and combining a bit of the comedy. Um, so, so we, sorry, I didn't answer your question. Uh, I just wanted to tell my joke. Uh, but uh, we get there, check everything's working or it's not working, and then we'll hope for the best. And then I stand around in the tunnel because um, at half time we, we have either the kids do a relay race, um, which fans quite enjoy to see who win. Um, and then uh, I stand there, try not to touch the players or shake their hands like, you know, Seth Fabregas or Eden Hazard today. I was a bit like, you can't say hello to them if you don't know them. Um, and then at the end, uh, I go back up into the main announcing area and I talk about the game from, from the tunnel uh, and then relay who's being subbed and then that gets sent back up to the main uh, tunnel area. Uh, the announcer and he tells everybody in the stadium, uh, it's a really, really fun job is basically what I'm, I'm leading to. I'm trying to make it sound more complicated than it is. Um, and then I do get giveaways for, for the fans uh, in, in the stadium. So that is it. I don't know how I've ended up doing it, but I'm loving it. All right. All right. Um, slightly, I'm not, I wouldn't say envious of you, but uh, just to be able to just to be around. I just want to be, I guess, I, guess, I just want to see it through your eyes. I don't want to actually do the, the work. I just want to see it through your eyes uh, just to kind of experience yeah. that. Well, so many cool people that are really nice and, and through the Saints Foundation, knowing people, I always say hello to everybody. That's my nature. That's the sort of person I am. And, and uh, chatting to security guards, into the people who are head of the security and you get little snippets of information for example I'm in the players tunnel and, and today in the match uh, just before half time Ryan Bertrand elbowed in the face by Olivier Giroud and uh, fans would have seen it he lifted the ball up because the referee took it further back miles away from where the foul was mm-hmm. and then plunked it down he got a yellow card and just before um, just so after half time when the players are coming out and the referee uh, the ref was talking to, I think it was Mark Hughes or, or his assistant, and just saying, you know, I, I was pointing and I made it very clear, and I think this is his accent, but I made it very clear, I was pulling it back to the first foul, and um, but the whole fans in the stadium wouldn't have known that the referee was trying to explain, like, that's why I gave him the yellow card, so, do you know what I mean, like, I got that insight, and I, I that, you can't put a price on it, it's just really interesting, and I'm a massive football fan, so, to be in there and see what the players are saying before they walk out, who's the most vocal, who's the quiet one. As a fan in the stadium, you don't get to see that, but, but I do get to, to kind of witness that. And that's why it's, uh, like it, 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 it's amazing. Yeah, we were all kind of wondering what was happening. Even on TV, they didn't, they didn't you know, mention that. Uh, I think the one guy on Twitter might have pointed that out, that uh, the referee knew what he was giving the foul for, alluding to the first foul, but 
I, I still, I'm with Ryan on that. I think he, uh, I'm okay. I wouldn't say I'm okay with the yellow card because it makes life difficult for him in the second half, but, but yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah. awesome. Um, so I, I mean, you want, let's talk about the game. Let's, uh, let's, let's jump in into that. Um, uh, we'll briefly say that, that we did progress to the, the fourth round of the Carabao cup, uh, that late winner on penalties, but kind of the same old thing. Uh, we concede late, we get through on penalties, pretty happy with gun. I don't know if you want to talk about that at all or, or mention it. And then we'll, we'll kind of get on to today's game or if you just want to move straight on to Chelsea. Uh, I mean, I, I, I want to talk about the Carabao Cup because, you know, we've got another away season now at Leicester City and, and Gunn looks really composed and confident. Um, I felt like we definitely off the gas when we could have been going for more. I just, a, a win's a win. And I, and I like to see that the players are all unified as a team when, when, when Cedric put that penalty away. That, that says to me they're a little bit low on confidence. And as soon as they get that back, then, you know, we might... Now, heaven, heaven forbid, like we might start winning a Premier League match, which is, which is exactly what we need. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I mean, today, when, when you're, you're there, you're waiting, you're, you have to present kind of the team news and stuff. The team news comes out kind of exactly an hour beforehand. Uh, yeah, I guarantee you it's scheduled by the team and everything, so it's in there before. I imagine you have it a few minutes before, but you can't say anything. You can't text it to anybody, obviously. Um, but when you, when, you looked at, when you looked at the team sheet, were you intrigued by the selection? Did it make sense to you, or were you uh, were you happy with it? I guess. Uh, yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I, I've watched a lot of football, and, and I think I know things, but I but I'm also very uh, aware that, I, that that there's a lot that I don't know, and I think we as football fans take a very simplistic view sometimes. And think, oh, I can't believe it. Oh, playing Gabardini, how's that going to work? He's, he's low on confidence. We needed to play so and so, and. I'd kind of like to look at that team sheet and I wish, Matt, I wish I could tweet about it or, or text it sooner. But, uh, the 4G in that stadium is horrendous. So there's no way I'd be even able to post it uh, earlier. But, but I looked at that team and I thought, you know, it looks good. I mean, no Vesper Club, but, but, but my Ishid is there, um, uh, Wizzy Ho and, and, and Ben Wright. Okay, going three, four, four in, in, in some sort of respect. Uh, okay, I can, I, can, I can work with that. Um, it didn't look like we were going to be defensive. It looked like we were going to try and, try and attack them. Um, so I, I like the lineup, um, but I don't think that we know our strongest 11 yet. And then you look at someone like Wall, uh, and they stick with the same team. So the part of me was a bit like, oh, we've changed it up again. But it's hard to know because we've got the win. I just said that's the perfect thing for us for us to do but um, I personally would have liked to have seen the, the, the great Dane uh, in, in the back uh, I, I think he's, he's quality um, and with my Yoshida but for some reason they, they don't play them together yeah um, I think the move to the back three I mean we moved away from it fairly early on it didn't really work during preseason we moved away from it very quickly in the Premier League season and then I, I guess after after the midweek match, uh, or maybe just because of kind of the attacking power that Chelsea have, they decided to go with it today. Some conversations I've had with people that think you know Wesley Hoot. I could have seen him missing out today uh, fairly easily. Yeah. Um, he's gone and deleted his Instagram photos and and a bunch of other stuff, and he's kind of I don't know. Like people get really really into that, and maybe we draw too much into it, but. Um, I kind of think he is the, I think the only natural left-footed defender we have other than Ryan Bertrand. Um, so I, I could have seen maybe Yoshida go to that side and invest in the middle, but maybe it's just the pace of, uh, of the attackers that Chelsea have that uh, we were worried with Vestergaard today. But 
Um, my only real worry with this with with the whole lineup was that uh, Chelsea are going to play a three man midfield, um, and that that's asking a lot of Lamina and Hoiberg if uh, Redmond or Gabby Dini or Ings or somebody doesn't drop in and, and give them a lot of a, a lot of help. Um, and, and mm-hmm. as it turned out, they just kind of pinned us back for, for most of the first half, which was, uh, worrying. Um, but, but I wouldn't say terrible. I think against a team that's playing as well as Chelsea is, um, and, and you look at how we're playing, I, I guess that's kind of what you expect. Um, even if it's not what we want to admit. Yeah. Um, going to the match today, people were like, Oh, you're looking forward to it. And I, 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 I want to, I want to look forward to it, but, but, uh, the Carabao Cup, I hope that confidence was back in the team. Uh, however, like, I just know that, you know, we're, we're going to be pending. I mean, Chelsea are just a very pressing attacking team with, with Sari. is not the typical Italian manager. Sit back. I mean, David Luiz is a centre back. Um, you know, the, the number two for them, um, Rodiger, like, Antonio Rodiger, was, was, at one point was crossing the ball in, uh, at the byline. And you're like, how is, how, he's a centre back. So everyone on that team is a, you know, Alonso for Chelsea is going to get forward. So I, I wasn't, surprised how much we were under the cosh we were really sitting back deep um, but what led to that was a bit of frustration at times like Redmond wants to, to break and wasn't able to so it was working that we didn't let a goal in in the first 20 minutes but then after that just one mistake and Chelsea were on that I mean that goes to show how good Hazard is you know one minute he's on the left and he's on the right and yeah, it's, it's just a very very good team I'm not surprised that they beat Southampton today but uh, yeah, but there's just moments where you're a bit like, oh, it must be something like we must be able to do. And then we did get into the game and then, then we got that goal against us and then we sat back again. So, um, yeah, people people around me were sort of saying that they don't look like they're pressuring. They're not putting any energy into, to, to, you know, sort of uh, pressing Chelsea, but it's hard when they're that good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, if you overextend yourself just a little bit, which I think led to the first goal, um, the Chelsea are, are that that quick and that clinical and I would say that up until the first goal even though Chelsea had had the majority of possession they had had the um you know the majority of possession had been in our in their final third but we had been kind of uh compact and, and resolute and uh, a lot of sliding challenges a lot that make me nervous because they're in the box and uh you know even if yeah. you're just going to block it could turn into a penalty and we'll come to that uh, non-penalty decision on Giroud in a, in a little bit but you know like okay. I think all of that was 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 good from Saints, and, and uh, the commentators here were saying that that uh, Hughes was just continuously yelling like "Get out, get out, get out!" Like this wasn't, you know, we weren't designed yeah. to sit this deep uh, today, but it, it worked for a, a period of time. And and one of the criticisms of the fans at St. Mary's, the home fans especially, has been that they haven't been behind the team necessarily. And I felt today no. that they were looking for a reason; they were looking for a chance to really get behind the players and. When Redmond broke and then Bertrand overlapped and Ings missed the chance, they were yeah. you, they were so loud, on, at least on the TV coverage. And I don't know what it felt like for you, kind of uh, as as the match was progressing uh, prior to Chelsea's first goal. Uh, well, I mean, it was the you mentioned it the, the penalty situation. Uh, Sari was was in uh, Mark Hughes' technical area. He'd rushed across, um, and uh, Mark Hughes, the was not best pleased about that. Um, but actually, when when as you say, you know, Redmond broke away down down the left, and then a Bertrand, and you know, it was a fantastic opportunity, one that against Chelsea you need to take that. But then the fans were were kind of like, oh right, yeah, we, we we're in this. It got to the point where the Marys at one point when we were in their half, uh, kind of ironically cheering, and 
that doesn't do any good to our to our players at the moment, does it? You know. But anyway, aside from that, once we did have that opportunity, Mark Hughes was waving at the fans behind him. You know, come on, let's let's get you know, let's give them that support. And and it did it did work. And then when the first goal went in, we were like, oh, we were deflated again. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, the Chelsea fans were very noisy. They were they were keen to tell everybody you to come to see the Chelsea. Uh, well, obviously, but thanks to Blaney, so well, obviously we're going to be watching. It. Um, but uh, we, uh, they were very vocal, and I think sometimes the Samaritans could be. We're just waiting for something to happen, but then we, we don't start singing first to try and get the team g'd up. If, if that makes sense, it's, it's the other way around. It's like we're expecting something for the boys to do first, and then we'll get on there on board with them. Whereas that doesn't happen. You know, but the away fans are already singing. Uh, before the, the you know, ball's been kicked. So, you know, they did get, they, they were noisy and then they stopped. <laughs> so, um, and then towards the end of the game, you know, with a couple of banging shots that Kepper was amazing, some of the saves he made, uh, things were sort of back in the cheer and, um, but Chelsea was just a very, very good side, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, we don't need to continuously go on about the crowd, but it, it really did make an impact on me today. Uh, listening to them uh, kind of get behind the team for those spells because I think it's been kind of absent uh, for, for some time. But yeah. the the fact that you say um, that the crowd is looking, is relying on the team to do something in order to get, uh, to, to start to cheer, I, I think that that makes total sense. And I think that kind of sums up uh, the feelings about the team because sometimes when you come in, um, you know, like you said, you don't want to be, uh, you want to believe that we have a chance today. You want to believe that we're going to put up a good fight and that we have a chance to win. But it's tough to do that week after week. Um, and then, and then I, me, the type of person that I am, I want to, I don't want to make excuses, but I, I, I like limited expectations. I don't like to, 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 I like yeah. to under promise, you know? And so to myself, I'm at least telling myself, you know, be reasonable. Blah, blah, blah. If we play two, one and it's a good game, like, you know, we'll be happy. But in reality, like we need, we need points, we need results and, and we need to give the fans something to cheer about. Yeah, definitely. Matt. I, I think the general consensus around, is uh, I, I I was talking about it before the game. Uh, Cardiff and my opinion are down. Uh, Huddersfield are down. So who's that third team? And uh, I I I pray that it's that it's not Hampton. But but I feel like um, you know we we took it we sat back with Pellegrino. It's too kind of like oh we'll be all right because we think we're better than we are. And I think that realization last season that we're not not as a team we weren't that great. And there were opportunities, but luck wasn't a key. So however you want to. It, but we weren't good enough to, to get those results when we needed them and it's sort of now that we need to really I'm not saying hit the panic button but we do need to start uh, putting extra energy and effort because before long it'll be March and we're panicking about goal difference and um, we're a team in my opinion of, of some good individual players but as a team cohesively for whatever reason you know is it confidence is it, it it's not ability but we're not showing that ability that, that they clearly do have yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, any any other instances in the first half really really stand out to you? Uh, you mentioned the kind of penalty decision um, that that uh, the, the managers were were uh, discussing with one another, I guess. And uh, in, at least initially uh, on the on the TV feed, it didn't look like a penalty. But as they slow it down, I mean, and you slow anything down enough, and you can see you start to see things that are maybe unnatural because it's not happening in real time, but it did look like Darude pushed the ball away from himself, and then that Hoot maybe just got yeah. his foot. Um, but but I mean, I mean, was the 
were the Chelsea fans upset by that? Did they think it was a penalty, or, or, or what was the feeling kind of around the around the stadium? Uh, sorry, we definitely thought it was a penalty. Uh, the whole you know, Jack Franco Zola was on, on his feet. He was quite short, but he definitely was standing up. Um, and, uh, and they 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 were instead they they thought it was a penalty. Um, and, but I think the officials, I think the the, the referees, he was absurd anyway. It wasn't a malicious tackle. Because uh, Rudis kicked it away, team penalties given for less. Um, so I think the Chelsea fans definitely thought it was a penalty and should have been, but but they knew that the chance had been kind of under the cosh. So it, a goal was coming. Um, so I don't think they were that they knew that there would be more opportunities for them to get the goal. So they weren't that that far. Um, it didn't work against them, did it? So. No, no. I think it. I, I think it, in that in that moment they felt wronged a little bit and it made them just kind of focus in that much more and then and then not long after that the goal comes and I, I would say that the goal came after kind of our best run of play where um we had had the ball down in there and we'd had a, a shot we had had some possession um and then the initial tackle from who to win the ball in the edge of the area the pass to Hoiberg um who just doesn't get it out of his feet and Barkley is really really good at closing him down very quickly um and I've had the benefit of, yeah. uh, of umpteen thousand replays so um, I don't know if you have or not, probably not, but uh, Barkley comes very quickly. It's not a position you want to lose the ball, but then I think the mistake happens where Hoot chooses to step to uh, to Barkley then, and that just opens up the the passing lane and the lane for, for Hazard to run into, and he does, and, it, and, and Hoot's going to get a lot of blame there. Um, but at the same time, like I don't know what you do. Do you just let Barkley dribble into your into the penalty area? I don't, I don't think there's anything you can do. I think the, the, real, the real thing you do there is, is just not lose the ball on the edge of the area. It, it instinctively go go to the ball, try and block it, do something. Yeah, I, I, I um, you could, I, I you could throw out blame, couldn't you, and, and throw it there. But you know, Koyberg was doing very well to kind of track down and press Barkley. They were hustling. That's what I noticed in the first half, back and forth. Barkley uh, giving away a, a free kick, and then Koyberg was the same on on Barkley. So. so there was a there was a good matchup today between Koyberg and Barkley, and it, it, as you say, just one short small mistake and it proved costly um to us and i, I did notice the bench uh the, the assistant i forget the name uh, another welsh uh the Saints, and he was looking over to try and you know keep the chin up like keep the chin up lads and and you know get back at them um because garadini had that long range shot which was, uh, sort of broken he had the goal in ahead of him and Danny Ings broke off to make a run to take the defenders with him and it's a bit of a team, team effort but that's all kind of I, I noticed really in that first half um, Danny Ings making some good runs uh, but unfortunately not, not putting that one away in, in, in the first half Yeah, I mean that, that was frustrating but at the same time you know we, we talk about guys for other if, if you watch Aguero or you watch Kane you watch Sterling they all miss chances you know Salah misses yeah. chances but they create so many that, uh, and a lot of those that they create are, are, uh, you know, these tiny little pullback tap-ins just because their team play built, their buildup is so good. Um, and sometimes I feel like if Danny Ings was in a team like that, then, then he would probably score more goals and Nathan Redmond would score more goals. But uh, a lot of times Definitely. when Nathan Redmond gets the ball, I like, I could type in my notes, Nathan Red- Redmond has played into space a thousand times a game because that's what happens. And it's him against three defenders, you know, and then he's waiting yeah. for everybody yeah. else to get out because we play, we sit back so deep, but um, yeah, if, if Ings scores that, it's definitely against the run of play, but it, it definitely probably changes the game as well. So uh, unfortunately it didn't, didn't happen. Um, 
some, some people around me were saying that, that Danny Ings would play a game to forget. And <laughs> it, I'm not saying it's a fickle fan comment, but I was a bit like, uh, I don't think he did because he made himself that many opportunities. Um, we, we forget that. You know, it's not, it's, it's apparently a league. You know, look at the defenders he's up against and how well uh, a good defensive team Chelsea have been. They're organised, they're compact, they know what they're doing. And for Danny Ings to have that many chances, to be fair, you know, their keeper made some beautiful saves in the second half. And that's why he's the most perfect keeper in the world. Um, you know, so, so I think Danny, to say that anyone had an awful game, it's, we did create chances. Unfortunately, we didn't take them and then got punished. I mean, that third goal just made Chelsea, it was, it, I think it flashed them more than, than, than what they were. Um, and it, but obviously, as we know, you don't take the opportunities, don't score the goals, you're, you're going to be up against it. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say that that uh, Chelsea's keeper looks like he's about twelve, um, but I've just googled him and he's twenty four. Um, he could easily make a, a U sixteen team without any question here in in the, in in the area that I live in. He looks like every sixteen year old. It's it, it very very good because the thing is the way that they they always talk about football. You know, you know, it's all it would balance itself out. I suppose it did really because that was outside. Uh, Olivier Giroud was offside in, in my opinion. I mean, I haven't watched it back and back and forth, but. Mark Hughes, the whole team was intense with the fourth official. Like, how can that not be called for, for offside? Ball's played in, he's offside. Um, you know, but that's, that's Olivier Giroud. He should have probably had a penalty earlier and then ended up getting an assist. And, and at that point, it was really up. You know, the Saints were going to be really up against it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think it balanced itself out. If, you, if they were going to give, if you didn't give him the penalty, let the offside go. But it's still frustrating. It was, my heart was just, I just, I, had, I went from the tunnel, didn't want to watch it there anymore. I went back up into the, into the stadium and, and uh, watched from the little area. Um, so that, that's where I watched it, the, the rest of the match. I was a bit, I was a bit oh, sad. I'll be honest, Matt. I was a bit sad because I wanted, I wanted the, the unthinkable to happen today. Yeah. Well, I mean, at, at some point they're up to nothing. And it's like, well, we were there and, and we saw what happened last, last year. Maybe there's a chance, but um, it, just, it just didn't quite go. But if we talk a little bit about that second goal, um, once again, it's a set piece and it's not, it's not, you know, a header that Cedric loses at the back post, but it is the failure to, to mark a player. And, and I, like I said, I've, I've been able to watch it on replay. It's close, but, but, uh, Barkley is definitely standing offside. Uh, when, when the initial ball is played to Giroud, uh, Giroud close, but I think he's onside and then just nobody goes with him and he has all the time in the world to put that ball across. And then I just don't know how it gets through all of those players, you know, it's like, I thought for sure somebody was going to put it in their own net before it got all the way through to Barkley, who you know, kind of bundled it in there, but he, he, he got his goal. But, um, I mean, I mean, is, are you, I guess part of it is when you're, when you're working, you probably can't show your frustration, uh, like, like the rest of us can. Um, but no, but, I'm, I'm not allowed to in the tunnel. The head of security keeps telling me, stop showing emotion. I'm clapping the ball when there's a chance. I mean, when the ball fell to Hoiberg in the second half, and I just thought, well, this is it. This is a golden opportunity. If, if I want anyone to power the ball into the back of the net, and Rudiger made that incredible tackle, that kind of what doing that free kick. You wanted that, you know, do or die moment from the defenders. And I think they seemed to ball watch it because they were expecting it to be called offside. Like, how did he get past? He must have been offside. And we stopped, uh, I say we, they stopped, um, Go, going with the book, goes to the pool. Um, 
yeah, I, I'm not allowed to show my emotions. That's probably why I, I had to leave the tunnel. Uh, I, I want to say I was banned from it, but it's, it's hard not to. I, I care about my team, and I, at those moments, I wish I was back up in the stand, being able to um, to, to give. I'd never give abuse, but just show my emotions or let it out, let off that little bit. Um, yeah, no, I. I I have to, I have to bring it in. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it might be easier just to present for a team that you don't like or that you don't have the uh, attachment to, yeah, right? Yeah, so much easier. Yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd happily uh, present a Pompey and have some but but I won't because I'm, I'm a bigger man. I'm better than that. Man. That's right. I'm better right. than that. That's why I keep telling myself. But uh, I, I, when you were watching the second half, there, there's so many kind of opportunities uh, that we had, and I don't think Chelsea were. I mean, the way they kick attacked the ball around and then, you know, Morata got that third goal. Just, just still in the wounds there, to, to be honest. Yeah, no, the, towards the end of the match, I was kind of hoping we could just hang off for 2-0. Um, but uh, the, the change in going into the second half with Romelu coming on and us going to a 4-3-3 or a 4-5-1 or whatever it was, um, maybe harsh on Bednarak, but once again, um, you're not going to pull Yoshida and who's left-footed, so, so there we go. Um, I thought we started the second half much, much better. And, you know, once again, Bertrand had a chance uh, at the back post. Oh, it tells him beautifully. Beautifully. Uh, you know, like, it would have taken one touch and then buried it. It was, uh, so it was well, the, the funny thing is, I, I watched obviously the players warm up, and I'm not, I'm not digging players at all in any way, but they, they have two goals set out, and uh, they were, you know, just practicing sort of kind of the edge of the area. Uh, you know, hitting the ball, trying to pass uh, Harry Lewis, our, our 23 keeper, and uh, and the amount of shots that were going over the bar. I think I, I'd seen the omen; <laughs> it was going to happen. Um, they just weren't they weren't keeping it low uh, and driven shots. They they were. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to name names, but yeah, <laughs> when it fell to Bertrand, there's part of me like, here's a oh, I did see earlier that might not. Oh, there it's gone. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, and isn't that this is, it's not funny because I really wanted the the balls to go in the back of the net but you like how many more how many times uh, Satan's going to get in there with a, a kind of opportunity like it wasn't a one-on-one but it, it fell beautifully for him and the Hoyberg one it fell beautifully for him you're like it's got to be and it tells you managed to to, uh, to get that block in um, yeah uh, it, 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 it's frustrating then you think well we're going to get another chance and, and we did but didn't take it, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, as dominant as Chelsea was in, in this match, um, you know, the possession stats, it's it's almost two-thirds possession for them. Um, but we still managed 15 shots, but I think I think there were only three or four saves from, from their keeper, and, and that's really yeah. not good enough. But it just shows that if we take just two of those chances, you know, maybe the mentality changes a little bit and, and they don't get that third late yeah. on because we're not as stretched. Maybe maybe we're okay with a point at home. Um, it, 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 it doesn't, I mean, being dominant matters, having the ball matters, but the, the game is such that people say fine margins. I hate to say it because it's so kind of cliche, but it is. It, it, all it takes is, is one of those chances to fall and then, and then maybe that's a little bit of luck that, that goes our way and then we, we can kind of take that and move on. But it, it, it's, it's so frustrating yeah. to watch and see and, and uh, just it, because because there's no, there's no fix, there's no way of saying what we need is a bit of luck, and that'll fire the boys up. That'll 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 get their confidence up. Because to be fair, we were still up against Brighton, and I thought we're we're, we're flying here. That that should give them the confidence. But 
the way it seems to be, and at, at Crystal Palace, you know, we, we've got that lead, and the whole stadium goes, I, I think it's everybody's ass clenches, <laughs> and we go, oh no, oh no, I know they're going to score. And it's like the vibe, the energy we put into the world as a Saints fan is, we're going to let it go in here, we are going to let it go. And we just haven't got that confidence that when we do get a bit of luck, that this is what we deserve and we're going to go on from here. We all think, no, they're going to have uh, luck and, and, and go on to win it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it, and that sucks. I hate that, but I'm, I'm there too. It's just kind of the reality of things right now, you know? It's going to change. Yeah. It will change, man. I, I, it has to, because I keep saying it, so it must be true. Yeah, it will change. I, I know it will. I, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Me too. Um, me too. Do you, I mean, moving forward, is this a good time for the international break? Is this is this now we can rebuild and the guys that are going to go on maybe like maybe Gabadini actually gets some more minutes, some more competitive minutes uh, with the Italian national team, perhaps. Um, or yeah. is this a, is this a bad time because we're kind of all low on confidence and we just need to play another game and see if we can get a win? Uh, I I think it's one of that. I think I mentioned it earlier, but the, it's a team of individuals. So if uh, Big Owen plays for the national team, they'll be back amongst people that that they were playing well for as a national team or, or not so. And then they'll come back and they'll say, "Oh yeah, I remember this team. This, this is a team where we someone's got a bit of juju against us and we're, we're struggling a little bit." Uh, but you know what? I'd rather have a happier players that, that are kind of in a mental, in a good space coming back because they'll be in their own ability, confident that, that, that they can turn things around. Um, so I think, yeah, uh, international break, they'll go away, have a bit more time, work with different managers, different ideas, tacticians, and then maybe bring that all together again. Um, we've got quite a lot of players that will be on international uh, duty, so... So will they be more tired? There's always that argument, but but I, I think it, it can only be a good thing. They come back a bit more refreshed and, and ready to go again. Yeah, yeah, it's it is worrying. I think it's it's kind of a six in one, half dozen in the other. Um, it's just going to be the way it is. And, and until we start getting some wins under our belt, um, it, it it really it, nothing else matters until we get some points up there. Um, and because we're just you know slowly, slowly actually pretty quickly <laughs> slipping towards uh, the bottom <laughs> of the table. I can't even say slowly anymore. Um, so I don't know, like y- y- do you have any final thoughts on-, on the match? I mean, when you, when you leave there today, um, can you, can you put this behind you and, and move on with, with your day or does this kind of stick with you for the rest of the evening and maybe into tomorrow as well? It's going to stick with me when, um, a couple of my people I know, Chelsea fans uh, stick it on me. Um, but, uh, uh I'm, I'm pretty, I've, I've, as a Saints fan, if you can't watch your team have a bad day and crack on, like, we are used to it. You know what I mean? We are used to this. We should have been, we need to have thicker skin. Um, so so I've, I've had years, we've had years of this, so I will try and put it out of my mind that, you know what, for periods of that time, we looked all right. Um, but as a whole, the team hasn't quite got that quality that Chelsea have. Um, so, yeah, I'm realistic. We'll, we'll, they should be taken away from this that, hey, look, it's Chelsea. Let's remember that. It's Chelsea. We're not at Chelsea's level. So wouldn't it be nice if we could beat them? Uh, but now we need, to, we need to focus on that. We're not a Chelsea beating side at the moment. Let's, let's, let's focus on, on the next team we think of relegation because this Southampton team, until we start winning, have that confidence that we can be in the top six game or in the top half of the table, that we kind of have to accept this is what we are. Um, 
and then I think that alleviates a bit of stress, but we need the boys to start winning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and when we come back from the break, we have uh, Bournemouth away. That's always a, a big game. Um, we host Newcastle. That's that's going to be a, a big game. Then we go to Leicester that's City. A bigger game. What's that? The bigger game in, in my opinion. Yeah, that, that, that's that's bigger game. Newcastle is the cliche six pointer. That is the game where we must win. If we do not pick up three points there, that that's the problem. Bournemouth are flying this year. They they yeah. are an organised, constant team. Uh, if we can get a point away at Bournemouth, and, and you know some fans say, you know, well, they just come up and we've been a more established. Don't care. They're the team in form right now. Let's try and make a point. Let's try and get something, and then really all out gun blazing against Castle and um, and bury them into the third position that gets relegated. In, in my humble opinion, that that was me getting quite angry there, man. And I, I, I liked it. I quite liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it too. I think the listeners will, will enjoy that as well. Uh, a little, little, little bit of fire, a little bit of passion. I think they want the players that to show that. <laughs> I like I, want, I like my Definitely. guests to show that as well. Um, we do have a couple of questions if if you're interested uh, from from some of the listeners. Uh, if you Are they Saints fans? If the Saints fans, then I'm on, then I'm on, I'm on board, and I think Seagull will join us with it as well. Yeah, yeah. So we have we have one from a guy that I don't think is a Saints fan, um, but uh, he knows you, and uh, so I, I'll ask it. Um, but Dan, um, who puts a PS in his that says "I'd take a bullet for you," so. Uh, this is from Holy Hoiberg. He says, "What what was your favorite experience on Eurofan, and where does he see Saints finishing this season?" Uh, um, I, I I I have a couple of Dan friends, but they definitely wouldn't take a bullet for me. So I didn't. Maybe uh, I, I used to do a series on YouTube um, called the Eurofan, and what that was uh, is I travel around Europe watching Champions League football matches, and I become a fan of the home team. So I'd hang out with the home fans. Uh, trying to get an essence of what it was like to be uh, a fan of their team. And, um, I travelled around. It was, the, it was the best job I think I've ever done. It's brilliant. Um, and then in the first season, I took Saints shirt and I'd say, thank you very much. Look, I'm a Saints fan, but tell you know, the last fans to help me. And the one fan that helped me the most, I'd give them a Saints shirt. Um, but uh, it, was, it was an amazing job. And I, I saw like the, the best football Madrid players, saw Bayern players, saw Barcelona. Um, yeah, it's an amazing job. So I think I think you might be a fan of that that series I did. Uh, but it's good to know. Um, if someone says I'm I'm gonna shoot you next Thursday, um, at least I know I can call upon Dan uh, <laughs> to step step forward for me. Um, the question was, what was the best experience? Was that the question? Mark? Yeah, the best experience on, on Eurofan. Uh, so many, so many uh, great experiences. I think uh, I'm gonna go to this one. Uh, the way I managed to uh, blag my way into a Juventus press conference um, before they played Celtic um, and I managed to drag my way into the training ground. Uh, Antonio Conte was up there at the front desk and Andrea uh, uh, Buzali, the, the, the defender they have, the international, and, uh, and I got there and I managed to drag my way in and uh, they said, oh, someone came along spoke to me in Italian and I pretended I was Scottish uh, with the accent and everything. And then she said, oh, you are with um, for Scotland. I was like, that's a bit, yeah, that's me. And I don't know why I sounded like a 50-year-old bloke uh, in, in my body. I'm, I'm not a tall, big guy. Um, and she said, oh, you're here with them. Well, look, no one else has come from your party. You know why? And I was like, oh, that's every night. That's every night. Because um, that's probably going to be accurate. And then um, she took me through to this, this area. So Sky Sports is there. They're all in a press conference. The camera's at the back. And uh, she said, oh, do you need a translator? And I went, oh, that would be good. So they put a translator 
onto the stage uh, where next to uh, Antonio Conte. And just to me, look, bear in mind, Matt, just to me, because I shouldn't have been there, uh, they stopped after the, the answers would be given in Italian so that this woman could translate it for me, um, the only English-speaking person in the room. And I wasn't even there on the, on the press conference. And um, <laughs> I, I, just, I just thought the whole time I was there, this is very much what Copperland were at the beginning with a bit of a kind of road wanted to be taken seriously, but we were given no access to kind of tell people what, you know, the fans want to know. Um, and, uh, and then when Antonio Conte walked past, I was like, Bizarre, to sign my Juve shirt. And yes, that's right. I was the only guy in a Juve shirt with a hoodie on um, in the back of it. So that was a very fun experience and I didn't get arrested and it was, uh, it was great for camera. Although I couldn't show up anyway because um, we'd have got in trouble. So uh, that was my favorite moment that, that, that just make it necessarily to the um to the actual edit that is insane i, I don't know how <laughs> you held it together there's no way there's no way there's no way i would i, I would have lost it I, I i was very close to losing it but the, but those are the sort of cool things and then he got actual access to like uh by leverkusen when it was saying who was there and i asked the press conference question because we got accreditation but we i was just making a show that was trying to give a sense to other fans, well, this is what it's like to be a Bayern Munich fan and give them kind of uh, access and, and trying just to, to de- on the day trying to get Champions League tickets, which were nuts, and then hoping that a good-natured fan would be like, oh, in Germany, like, yeah, my friends can't make it, so if you want his ticket, I was like, yeah, yeah, it's the best day ever. So um, there were so many moments. So, I, I, yeah, that, it's a nice question to have because it, it, I have just happy thoughts of, of going through these some of the best football in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we got another question from Instagram uh, from the Southampton page who I have to say thank you. They are one of the partners of the show and they helped kind of initiate the, uh, the this interview. So um, thank you. Thank you to Jay who, who runs the page. But um, he asked, does Tom think that Hughes is the right man to kind of fix the slow start? So obviously he kept us up last year, uh, was instrumental in that, signs of the long contract and we're, we've started slow. Do you think that this is the... Uh, that he's the right man or, 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 or no. And I, and, and I, I respect the fact that maybe since you work for the club, you can't say this, but um, if you can uh, give us an answer. Uh, okay. Well, for that one, uh, I would say that no one told me what I can and can't say, but I used to work for the BBC. So I know how to be politically kind of correct with that. Um, I was on a holiday. This is a roundabout way of answering this. And I read a book uh, about the different manager styles and uh, Mark Hughes in his, um, history of being a manager uh, was obviously had kind of meltdown at QPR, uh, Stoke uh, period where it, it kind of worked at times and didn't work for us. Um, and then he was at Man City uh, and pretty much bought the player he wanted that, that ended up going on to 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 win the league. Um, and uh, so I, I don't, I think he he's got experience and you know he played for Saints at one point um, back in the day and I I, I think he's as long as the players uh, are kind of respect Mark Hughes, which is hard to know, how does anybody know that, then he will be the right man because he will be able to motivate them to get through this uh, difficult period. Um, so I think there's no sign for me to say that, that, that he's not the man for the job. Um, and actually, I did an interview with um, Julian Lescott, who's a big FIFA player for, for the eSports, and I asked him, I said, oh, what was, I'm curious to know, what was Mark Hughes like as a manager? And uh, he said, you know, the players, the players really enjoyed him being the manager. We, we played for him because he signed us to Man City. Um, so I'm not 
don't know if he's saying that he wasn't a fan of Mancini, but to, to me, it's Johnny Lescott saying, you know, he's a good, he's a good manager. We, we really enjoyed playing for, for Mark. Then, then I think he will turn around, it's it around, and um, only time will tell on that. But I, I've got no reason to say, because I think it's too easy to say, oh, we should get a better manager in. But uh, I hope I'm right. Does that, <laughs> I hope that comes across. I hope he's the right guy. And so far, I think he, he can turn it around because we're going to give him the time. And hey, if it gets to like January and we still haven't got a win, uh, maybe we do need to hit the panic button and really, really get some, someone in. Maybe an Allardyce. I mean, wouldn't that be awful? Anyway, but the point yes, is... Yes, it, it would. It, but if it kept us in the Premier yeah. League at that point, uh, I'll, I'll weigh in whether or not I think it's acceptable, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Mark, give him the time to turn it around. He's got that experience. And and you know what? He's had those failings, we call it failings, uh, in previous management where things didn't go his way. He's got more experience to know when things didn't go well and how he can fix this because he's got that experience. Right, right, right. Um, all right, so... Uh, so <laughs> I, I said you don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, no, no, it, it, I, I, I... So my, my kind of thing with, with management is I... Like, look, he's been around a lot longer than I have, you know, um, and I, I hate to, to criticize and I hate to always pretend I don't like it when people just say like, well, this is obviously what we should do and I'm going to type it on Twitter or I'm going to, you know, do this or that. And it's just like, look, like we don't, we don't understand all the things. We don't know all of the behind the scenes yeah. things. And, and, you know, I, I, I have to believe in, in the manager a little bit. Um, did my, my belief in Pellegrino go at some point? Yes. You know, did I think Puel was the right man yeah. for the job after a year? No. Um, so it's, you know, yeah. I'll give him some time. I, I, I think panicking right now, uh, we've had three different managers and the results have been kind of the same. So at that point, maybe it's not them, you know, I, that, that, that's yeah. kind of where I'm at. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I just think that I've, I've given that response on a measured response. Uh, and he's brought some players in. Um, and I, I think it's quite odd that Alanisi wasn't playing or Joe Armstrong, I think he's a very good player, wasn't Scotland. You know, he's, but what economics is, is essentially if you get a new manager in, he'll want to buy some new players. And then we've just, we're still, we'll be no closer to knowing what that, that best 11 is. So I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Let's get to that point. Uh, either we say he's definitely the guy or we say it hasn't worked out. But right now, yes, he is because he's a manager. We should get behind him, get behind the whole team until the point where we go, it really isn't working. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have another question from somebody here, uh, Chief Keith Official One on Instagram. This is somebody this I is assume, the official one. Yeah, uh, what NFL player would be the best addition to our Saints? <laughs> uh, that's a great, great idea. Uh, what would be the best? I think um, the guy who plays for the Saints, the, the New Orleans Saints. I'd take Alvin Kamara, um, primarily because he's he's so fast, so quick, so strong. Uh, we could we could with a player like that in, in our team right now uh, who is not afraid to absolutely bomb it down the wing or, or any space and gaps. Um, if you're not familiar with it, that's super thing. Um, then, then he's a running back, also catches the ball. He's just an all-rounder um, and he scores a lot of points on Fantasy League um, and uh, he's the reason, the bane of my existence at the because of opposition last week beat me because he had Kamara. Um, he's like a Sergio Aguero, is basically what he is in terms of fantasy. So yeah, uh, I, I think Alvin Kamara. 
All right. All right. I, I can, I, I, I can agree with that. Um, and I think it's kind of weird because I, I mean, of course I grew up in a country where football is huge. Um, I'm, I'm a Buccaneers fan because I watched my dad cry actual human tears, uh, when the Rams left mm-hmm. LA because that was his team. And I promised myself at whatever age I was under 10, some somewhere that I was never gonna let my team move further mm-hmm. away, farther away from me. And, uh, being in California, I chose the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, it, it's been, it was a fun kind of 2004 to early 2000s, um, mostly forgettable since then. But um, I still have Madden 04 and I will play that until the day I die. Um, so so I, I think it's kind of weird that, you know, you are, are very into the, the NFL. Um, I mean, you host a podcast on it. You host, host Ice the Kicker. And, and so it's, uh, it's just kind of funny that I'm here doing this and, and you're there doing that. And, and here we are together talking about it all. So it's, it's kind of nice. It, it was meant to be. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I've loved NFL for a while now. And uh, uh, I, I support this, the, the San Francisco 49ers. Um, check on with the Saints. It's been so much easier. You support the Saints. Yeah, both. Um, that would have been easier to say. Uh, but maybe too cheesy and well rehearsed. So I, I quite <laughs> like <laughs> the fact it's a bit different. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a great sport. Um, and the more you get into it, the more you love it. And that's why I decided to make a podcast called Ice the Kicker which is a, it's a term that is used when a kicker is about to kick a field goal, normally sort of the game, um, and what you do is the opposition coach, as they're running up, you call a timeout so that even if the field goal goes in uh, or through, uh, they have to step up again and take it, and pressure gets on them. Right? It's, it's one of those annoying things that happens if it's your team that missed the field goal. That's what you call, you ice the kicker. Mm-hmm. The kicker has been iced. So yeah, um, it, it's fun just to talk about uh, another sport that, that I absolutely love. And um, currently right now, um, it's 15 minutes into um, to week five of the NFL. Um, so when I take the train, I will be constantly looking at Game Pass or ESPN. And uh, it, 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 it can be really nice to have two sports that you, so one team is at least doing better than the other. But actually, the Niners are stuck in as well. So it's, uh, it's uh, there you go. That isn't like a, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, at least next year they will be the only team in the city, right? Because uh, Oakland, <laughs> Oakland's going to go to Las Vegas, and that's going to be—I can't imagine that being anything but a nightmare for anybody who likes to go to Las Vegas and have to deal with. Uh, it's just going to be such a destination. It's going to be crazy. I mean, it's going to be worse, probably more fights than last night, where the uh, Conor McGregor fans and uh, the Russian guy—I'm not going to pretend to be able to pronounce his name—were uh, uh, you know the fans <laughs> are going yeah. at it. Everybody's going at it. So it, w- what a mess. Um, but, and, and bring yeah. the Raiders into that. Cause that's always, that's always fantastic. So, uh, they're, they're, well, well, knowing that, that the Under Armour, uh, obviously the kit sponsor for Southampton, there's a big link up with Under Armour in, in the U S and, um, I know that through talking to people, they, they have been, there's been lots of link ups and going to, to have some starts in schools in America of, of, of not schools, but in terms of training, getting more involved in soccer and in China and stuff like that. So it's amazing how the both sports, you know, they, they, they're big brands who want to uh, involve themselves. I mean, what's his name from the, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who's the owner of Fulham, uh, Shahid or uh, Shahid. And, and then you've got, you know, the Arsenal man, uh, Kronk or whatever his name is. He, he's, the, he's the Rams owner. It's, uh, I, I can't, it, it's not too unlovable that they start to blend in. You know, that they are, even though not as many people obviously love NFL over here, but you can see why it's picking up and more people are getting involved in NFL. Yeah. And I'm sure as soon as we stop making you watch the dolphins, when they come over to play, uh, at Wembley, <laughs> I'm sure people will show up. 
<laughs> yeah, but Tampa Bay, I, 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 what, what happened is, um, you, you watch the video, like, I love the All or Nothing. I'm not a man, but I've been watching the All or Nothing because I think it's incredible to, to get to see Pep Guardiola and the way he, he motivates those, those players. Would I love to see Pep Guardiola at Southampton? Yes, of course I would, because I think he's a very, very, very good motivator. But with all those All or Nothings, get a real access and a sense of what that team's identity is about and, and how they work. And they had a hard knock for uh, Tampa Bay, and I believe. I thought it was going to be their year. I really did. I was like, James Winston, he's an amazing quarterback. Yeah. He's got Mike Evans, the wide receiver. Oh, my. And, uh, yeah, so I snapped up one of the, the players in fantasy. Uh, I was like, Tampa Bay, it's this year. So, <laughs> so a good documentary can really... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, I can tell you, I did the same thing. Um, and now I just have a rule where I only, I will only take one player from the team. Uh, and yeah, and it's usually just a kicker because that's just easier. Um, and, and yeah, but, but, you, but, um, but, but, but the same thing, the same thing applies, Matt, with, with Premier League fantasy league over here. Like if you are the real, you think that, who would you pick up? You, you, you wouldn't pick a, a Saints player because you never know what that lineup's going to be. Uh, you never know that that person is always going to play. I mean, at the moment, you said maybe Hoiser in the middle. But even then, I mean, next week it could be more Prowse that takes. They're a team that, that aren't the solid starters that you can de- depend upon, if, if that makes sense. So I, I think that, in its, in its essence, says something about things at the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but just, just, just a couple more things before you go. I know you got to, you have to catch the train. So, um, if if we could take a, t- a a player from Saints and put him on the Forty ers does anybody make the cut, or which which maybe player uh, could actually make that transition, or you think might be might be the the, the best to do that? Uh, I think Vestergaard probably has to be, you know, he could be a good blocker, tight end, uh, uh, just hold up the line, and then occasionally uh, drop off from, from a linebacker and on, and then and then someone throwing the ball, uh, he, he would be. Just, just the physical size of him, or maybe uh, you know Danny Ings with his hamstrings and knees uh, for the pace, or maybe I think a Shane Long as a, as a punt, uh, kick returner. There you the go. The ball goes high in the air, and he grabs it and then runs it quickly as he possibly can, and then we don't have to worry about him scoring. Uh, so so that, <laughs> that's good. No, no kidding, no kidding. Um, and just, just one more question for you: uh, which, which Southampton player do you think has the most lad points? <laughs> lad points. Um, I, I, I think that he's a really good uh, joker, uh, just seeing him in the tunnel and, and working with him as well. Uh, Charlie Austin, is, he's a proper geezer. And um, uh, I have a lot of times when I think, I mean, I was there at a GPR game. Um, it, was, it, it was when Graziano uh, Pelle scored, Pelle scored, scored uh, I can't call him Pelle, but you know what I mean. Uh, Pelle scored that overhead uh, kit uh-huh. and it was the same game but it was the day that the ball got whipped in and Charlie Austin sort of controlled it and volleyed it back and it was a beautiful goal for QPR um, so I, I think he's, he's, he's a kind of good jokey motivator and the fact that there's a load for me in the tunnel is, is enough for me I think he's he's, <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a top guy and I, I hope that he finds that scoring form again um, ASAP because that's what we need you know if it's not Danny Ings now it's uh where does the goal kind of come from? So, um, so yeah, lad point, uh, Charlie Austin. I think so. He's been the choice for, uh, you know, who do you go to a music festival with? Charlie Austin. Uh, who do you go out for a night yeah. with? Probably Charlie Austin. Cause if you go out with Redmond or, or, or Bertrand, I, I'm not sure that I can ha- deal with that. The, 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 <laughs> yeah. the scene there, I'd rather go to a pub than, uh, whatever the heck they have but going then, on. So yeah. But then, then again, I'd, I'd like to be there. I'm like, Oh, 
Monsieur Curious, I don't guys. He's, he's this great Dane, uh, this Thor impersonator. That's uh, that's uh, he's with me. <laughs> I, quite, I wouldn't mind that. I mean, if, if I was trying to, you know, if I was back in the dating game, I wouldn't go out with Vestergaard. I mean, you know, just like, oh, sorry, do you want? I'll carry your bag while you get off with Vestergaard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Charlie Austin would be would be my go-to last guy, uh, just for banter. Exactly. Exactly. Um, well. I just want to say thank you again, uh, Tom. This has been this has been great, and uh, I I hope that uh, your day goes goes all right, and I hope that uh, your career, uh, both comedy and presenting and everything else, uh, podcast. I hope it bless all goes you, well. Um, well, and, bless you. I, thank you so much, and, and to every fan that's listening, you know that the, the podcast grows when we we share it and tell other people, you know, check it out and have a listen. So. So yeah, I hope that more people begin to listen to this. And I know I'm going to be retweeting it and, and telling people to, to check this guy out. Imagine there's a guy who lives all the way over on the other side of the world almost, and uh, he supports things. So you know, uh, <laughs> I would try to get more people to, to listen and and, uh, and get on board and talk about the, the club we love. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, thank you so much, and we will uh, we'll talk to you next time. Pleasure. That does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you enjoyed it. Special thanks goes out to this week's guest, Tom Deacon. If you don't already follow him on social media, it's at Tom Deacon Comedy on Instagram, at Tom H. Deacon on Twitter. There are also links to his website, so you can check out his shows and his specials. Uh, You can find out dates for those things, and you can also uh, listen to his American football podcast, Ice the Kicker, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, If not, don't it's that easy Uh, but special thanks to tom for taking the time to to join us to sit outside of a train station waiting for a bus and talk to me we'll get you in a more comfortable setting next time uh thank you that's all i have to say i just just thank you um obviously the match didn't go our way maybe next time we'll talk on better terms but uh as as we've noticed we haven't really had a lot of positives to talk about for the past year um why am i going on about that here that's not what this is for um if you don't follow this show on social media, you can do so at SFCDELL underscore IBERY on Twitter and Instagram. And we're on Facebook as well, facebook.com forward slash SFCDelivery. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. You can make sure you get future episodes of this show by subscribing. You can do that on iTunes, Stitcher, ACAST, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, literally, just, just look for it. Delivery with two L's and it should come up. If you have trouble, send me a message. I will help you. Uh, other things you can check out. Uh, the logo for the show is done by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Uh, for match day edits, polls, competitions, and more, be sure to check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Our partner is the Southampton page. Jay, thank you so much for setting up this interview. It would not have happened without your help. You were the contact to Tom. You were the one who, I don't know what you did, but you got him to do it. And uh, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Music for this show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games. And the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Pottington Bear. Uh, special thanks to everybody who sent in questions, who sent in comments. Put in your uh, three or five word or whatever word, however many word we did, match reviews. Uh, I appreciate those. You made me laugh at a time when I really did need it. Uh, and then Tom came in and just kind of uh, finished it off. So, Have a great day, and until next time, uh, remember that together, we march on.